Tell me three emotion words for the sound of your microphone. No. <laughs> Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Welcome to the Misfit Stars podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hi, listeners. Shannon and I are a married pair of working artists. And this podcast is our weekly date for getting on microphones and talking with one another and with you about what's mattering to us this week. We are so pleased that you're here with us. And hi, Sugar. Hello to you. Hi. Uh, shall we start off with some announcements, announcements, announcements? Oh, thanks for joining in. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. Um, I have an announcement. Oh, man, what is it? That I'm going to tie it in with that announcement song. The, what? the announcement jingle. Oh, my Just gosh. It's a meta announcement. Bear with me, mm-hmm. okay? Um, so my announcement is that uh, Friday this week, mm-hmm. June 2nd, mm-hmm. our next 80s kids song drops. Yes. You guys are going to flip. It's so great. Mm. So it's going to just like, it's going to be your summer song. Yeah. I know. I just think it is one of them because we're going to drop another song next month that will also be your summer song. Mm-hmm. So, but this month it's really going to be your summer song. Okay. So here's how this announcement ties in with the announcement song. Okay. okay. Are you ready? Yeah. So that announcement song. Longtime listeners will recall that I uh, learned that song at sixth grade science camp. Yes. Because they would give announcements every morning at science camp at breakfast, and they we, they made us all sing the song. Announcements, announcements, announcements. Like everyone yeah. sang it together? Yeah. That's great. That's my memory anyway. So that's that's been lodged in my brain mm-hmm. since sixth grade in 1985 mm-hmm. at science camp. Mm-hmm. So also regarding science camp, Right before science camp, which was in October of mm-hmm. 1985, mm. was my birthday. Mm-hmm. And at my birthday that year, I received as a gift, two different gifts. One was a Walkman, my first Walkman. <gasps> you remember the yellow Sony Walkman? The sports ones, the water resistant uh-huh. ones. Yep, uh-huh. Yeah. So you can I take got, it to the beach. Right. So I got a Walkman and you know, the little like silly foam headphones. Remember those? They're like headphones <laughs> with like foam ear pads. Yeah. 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 Okay, so I got the Walkman, and also from a different person, I got the gift of the the cassette tape on which our next 80s kids song was released. (sighs) And so on my way to science camp that year, where I learned the announcement song, Mm -hmm. I listened to the song that we are releasing on Friday. Whoa. Over and over and over again. It, I don't remember what position on the cassette it was. I could, I should look it up. It's the first song. Is it the first song? I, I, that makes sense to me. I didn't listen to a single other song on the whole cassette because yeah. every time that song ended, I would rewind, push a little button, that satisfying click of the rewind button. Remember that? Oh man, the I would best. hit rewind and go to the beginning of that song and listen to it again. And so if you happen to be sitting next to me on the bus on the way to science camp that year, you might have heard the little like sort of tinny version coming through my headphones ah. of the song that we're going to release on Friday. And here's another funny thing about this. Like you would think for the number of times I listened to that song back when it came out and in the years since, you would think that I would have somewhere along the way learned the lyrics. Yeah, you would think. But I totally didn't. Like I had so many words wrong. And there were some, frankly, that I just ne- didn't know. So I would just like blah, 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 like yep. my way through them. So, and you know how it is with rock songs? Yeah. Like just the phrasing can just like make it difficult to tell what the yes. what, what's being said. So, and then of course, when you read it, it's like, oh, it's so obvious, it's, but it's really hard to pick out. Totally. 
This is one of the things that's happening with this 80s kids project that we're doing. So the first two songs released, Wouldn't It Be Good and Drive, both of those songs, I had to learn the lyrics. Like these are songs like I was sing- I could sing along with. So I thought. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but like I oh I had words wrong all the time, but now I know the words. It's very satisfying to I finally know the words I to love some it. of these songs. So our next 80s kids song comes out on Friday, and we can't wait to share it with you. So stay tuned for that. Um it'll be up all the places where you listen to music. Bandcamp, Spotify, etc. All the others. Yep. And it'll be out in the United States, midnight East Coast time. Mm. So like 9 mm. p.m. Thursday. Right? right, on the West Coast. Yep, uh, <laughs> that's right. And, uh, you know, in places like, uh, you know, Australia, New Zealand, it'll be out like, I don't know, four days before. I mean, it may already be out. <laughs> I don't understand how times, the, the, the international dateline works at all. <laughs> it's today, Friday in Australia. <laughs> Probably so. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, so the other announcement I have, actually, do you have any announcements I should ask you first? Uh, no, I think that that's our big announcement for the week. Okay, well, the other thing that I do want to just like, just it's a pre-announcement. We are approaching our summer podcast break. Yeah. Just it's not happening this week. Nope. And it's not happening next week. Nope. But it's coming soon. So just so you know, we're gonna be around for a little bit longer and then we're taking summer break. We just want to soften the blow. Yeah, that's we it. We know that I mean, you guys miss us when we go on break. We miss you too. We do. We we miss us too. <laughs> yeah, we miss I, I miss me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so great. So Jamie, how are you feeling? Thank you for asking, sweetheart. I'm feeling reinvigorated. Oh, good. We had a couple of weeks. Uh, it's sort of, it was kind of a vacation. It's sort of a bus mm. man's holiday in some regards. You What's know, a bus man's holiday? Where like you go on a vacation, but it's not exactly a vacation because it's not 100% relaxing. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. We were away from home. Yeah. <laughs> it was a family visit. And family a- visits aren't really holidays, people, are never. they? No, they're never. No, no it's not. But we, we also tacked on a couple of pleasure days just purely for pleasure. Three nights and two days in lovely downtown Boston, it Massachusetts. It was so good. It was wonderful. Yeah. Do you want to talk about our trip a little bit? I would love to, yeah. So uh, we went to visit my folks. Uh, we stay with my mom and dad uh, when we go to Burlington, Vermont. That's where uh, they live now. I grew up in the center of the state, but after my sister and I went off to college, all of a sudden rural Vermont, I think, felt a little tumbleweedsy for my mom and dad. So they moved to the closest thing Vermont has to a city, (laughs) which is Burlington. It's a great little place. Love visiting there. I've never lived there, but uh, I mean, I've been visiting there at this point much, much longer than I ever lived in Randolph, Vermont, Mm -hmm. which is where I grew up. Mm -hmm. My sister and her family live just 20 minutes north, so they're very accessible there. Uh, And we go to visit them as frequently as we can, which given the huge distance is, you know, sometimes only once a year. Mm -hmm. Used to be when we were going on regular tours, we would try to fit in a few days with them when we were, you know, driving past that area. Also, you know, not so much... (laughs) Driving past the extreme northeast of the United States. (laughs) Which we did, weirdly. Weirdly. Tour is weird. Just Um, happened by the neighborhood, you know. Yeah, just just popping in on our weird 20,000-mile summer trip. Yeah, totally. Um, So, you know, we... We had a really, really good time with them. You know how sometimes visiting your family, visiting your folks especially, can just feel difficult people. Am I right? Yeah. And, you know, uh, we've talked on this podcast about the fact that, you know, despite 
there being so much love in the relationship. My folks and I, you know, have had some differences over the past, I don't know, when did Donald Trump come on the scene? (laughs) About that long. Um, And also proceeding, but really, like, the Trump era has been difficult. You know, there are some uh, cultural differences at play. And those can sometimes make visits difficult, and they did not do that at all. Those issues didn't literally come up one time on this visit, making it thereby the single best visit that we've had probably since 2015 with my folks, which was so wonderful. So refreshing, yeah. So lovely. Just I have nothing but good vibes and good memories from it, and it's just wonderful. It's really good. There's part of me that it, that wonders if uh, Tucker Carlson getting booted off of Fox News had anything to do with it. Like, real talk, <laughs> they are getting less effectively delivered poison, and maybe that literally is improving their worldview and making us feel, it might be making them literally feel less paranoid and angry I, I mean, all of the time. I've wondered. Because yeah. Tucker Carlson trades in white grievance, right? Yeah. And white nationalism and making white people, particularly older white people, feel as though their country is being taken away mm-hmm. by nameless others. Although they're kind of named, really. They're people of color and LGBTQ people. And it's just hate, hate, hate all of the time. Mm-hmm. And them not having that mainstreamed. Like, I mean, the rest of Fox News is that also. Don't get us wrong. <laughs> the entirety of Fox right, News right. is garbage. But Tucker Carlson was a particularly effective delivery mechanism for that particular flavor of vitriol. And he's just not doing that anymore yeah. for them. And that's, oh, nice. I think, probably going to like measurably improve their lives. Although they probably view it as making it worse. It's probably actually going to make their lives better, honestly. Because <laughs> that right? shit is addictive. And I imagine they're yeah. having withdrawals. Oh, yeah. But like once withdrawals go away, they just won't be as probably like hateful, unintentionally hateful. They're not hateful people. They are good people who have been trained to hate by the media they're consuming. It's mm-hmm. really, you know, we talked about this before. It's, so it's a sad, bad situation that's being replicated millions of other mm-hmm. times across this troubled country. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, that wasn't happening uh, this visit. It was wonderful. It was great. We managed to work in a, a trip to go see the Red Sox with my dad. Mm-hmm. We started off, we actually did a red eye so we could arrive in Boston at 11 a.m. on a Saturday. Dad met us down there. We took him to a Red Sox game, first time ever. That's- I mean, he has taken me to like 150 plus Red Sox mm-hmm. games. That's where we went in my childhood. Yeah. That's kind of the thing we did. Mm-hmm. We didn't go on fancy vacations. Like, I don't recall us ever really going on a vacation, mm-hmm. you know? Like, we didn't like pack the family like up in a station wagon and go see state parks or <laughs> national parks or whatever. You know what I mean? We didn't do that. My parents are not wired like that. The thing we would do as kids is we would go down to Boston, which is like a two and a half hour drive, low stakes. Um, and we would stay there over a weekend and we would go see one or two baseball games. Me and my dad and my sister, my mom didn't like to go, but she would like go off to Lord and Taylor and go, you know, window shopping or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and then we would have, you know, maybe a meal here or there and then just drive home. It was just like, kind of like low rent, but amazing vacation time. Like, I remember it so fondly as a kid, mm. you know? And, so uh, I got to revisit that. Got to revisit bit, that. Bit, yeah. It was really, really nice. Very cool. Yeah. And you and I got to spend a couple of days in Boston on the tail end of our trip, which yeah. was really fun. Just hanging out. Yeah. It was, we walked and walked and walked and walked. And walked and walked. We stayed kind of in the government center, Quincy Marketplace uh, area, kind of adjacent on on the sort of slightly (laughs) south side of that. So adjacent both to the financial district and the north end. Guys, I was just there and this map walkthrough that that Jamie's doing makes no sense to me either. So (laughs) just, it's okay if you don't understand what those words mean. It's a part of town. (laughs) And people who know the area, like that's, it's it's not a part of town that I would necessarily be like, let's stay there. 
You know what I mean? But it was but really it was convenient. We watched so good. Yeah, it was it was so good, so good, so good. That's, That's a, a reference really back good to Boston callback, Shannon. Caroline, Dang. Boston Red Sox. Yeah. Um, my favorite part of the Boston trip, well, besides the Italian food in the North End. Oh, oh my God. So good. So good. The, so good. The Isabella Stewart. <laughs> Thank you. The Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. That was mm. such an awesome experience. Yeah, that place um, rules. Yeah, so very fun. Okay, that was a massive segue yes. from me asking you how you were feeling. Yeah, oh, so I'm feeling reinvigorated. Excellent. Uh, the time away from work was helpful, blah, 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 reinvigorated. How are you feeling? Awesome. I'm feeling happy. Good. And motivated. Reinvigorated okay. is a good word. I'm it's a, gonna, it's I a combination steal, of the two sentiments. Yeah, I might steal that. Okay. Um, yeah, we've been uh, doing some like yard work and stuff since we've been back and obviously diving back into work. I have a bunch of work that I have to get through yeah. now that we've, since we were gone for a couple weeks. Um, but yeah, I'm feeling good. Um, why don't we then fire up the good news machine? I've got the best news. Please. So the container for this news is, here's what can happen when progressives get power. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Uh, I'm reading, uh, I'm excerpting little bits here from, uh, there's this lawyer whose uh, substack I get. His name is Jay Quo. Yep. Uh, and he called this the Minnesota miracle, and I'm just going to quote oh. that because it's so good. Yeah. So, uh Here's the deal. Earlier this week, uh, well, last week now, uh, the Minnesota legislature completed its uh, first 2023 session. Um, and so they sent the, the the budget to the desk of Governor Tim Waltz. And on Wednesday uh, last week, Governor Waltz signed this $72 billion enactment into law. Mm-hmm. Here is what is cool. Um so in Minnesota, the Democratic Party is actually known as the Democratic Farmer Labor Party. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's like the state term for like that party there. Oh. So if you hear me say DFL, that's what it means. Oh. It's a Democratic Party. And how smart is that, by the way, as branding? Like, <laughs> because the thing the Democratic Party gets accused of all the time is being it's for coastal elites. Well, it doesn't sound so coastal elite when you call it Democratic Farmer Labor Party, does it? Right. It sounds a lot more hard, like heartlandy, blue collar, hardworking. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, so the DFL, uh, through painstaking grassroots activism, gained three state Senate seats in 2022 to win a single seat majority in that chamber, thereby, for the first time in eight years, giving them a majority in both chambers of the legislature and a Democrat in the governor's mansion. Okay, and right? they, they did some cool stuff. They went fucking ham. Yeah, let's hear it. They went ham. I'm so ready. they started off the beginning of this legislative session mm-hmm. with a 30-bullet-point agenda. Okay. Like, here are the 30 things that we want to accomplish in this legislative session. Awesome. Spoiler alert, they hit every single one of them. Wow. Every single one. They're 30 for 30. Every single priority got in. So you're going to highlight some of them? I'm just going to highlight some of them because it's so goddamn great. So uh, they paid for the programs with increases on sales taxes in the Twin Cities metro area, increases in vehicle registration fees, taxes on companies receiving global income, and reduced oh. tax deductions for the wealthy. So generally very oh. progressive ways of funding things. Sales taxes are somewhat regressive, mm-hmm. and especially if you do them in a metro area because that's predominantly, it's more people of color and more poor people. Mm -hmm. And those are people who get hit hardest as a percentage of their income with sales taxes Mm -hmm. anyway. So that part, 
admittedly not the best, but also you need to get income from places, so I understand needing to do it. Yeah, but the taxes on corporations that get global income, that's going to be big companies, right? And then also the reducing of tax credits for wealthy people. Perfect. So she said, great, love it. And the sales tax increase was like 0.7%. Okay. So it's not terrible. Yeah. It's really not bad. Right. Like it's going to take the overall tax burden once you factor in state tax, which is always the vast majority of a sales tax anywhere. Like where we live, like the state sales tax is like, you know, 7.9%. And then like the count, the county tax, the county sales tax is like 2.3. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So whatever. It's a small increase. Mm. Um, so here are some of the things that they did because goddamn, they're great. Uh, the centerpiece of the budget created a taxpayer-funded paid family and medical leave program for all of the state's workers. How great. It established 12 weeks of medical leave with a 20-week annual cap, okay? Uh Uh, Participation by businesses is mandatory unless they privately offer equivalent benefits so no one can weasel out. All right. Um, And so this will primarily affect the nearly 1 million low-wage workers in the state who prior to this had no paid time off. Workers will receive compensation based on their wages, 90% of normal pay for those under the state average wage. So again, like low-income workers, they get 90% of what they were making. Wow. Right? And also, like when you're poorer and you're living on a margin, losing 10% hurts. But still, like it's really good, you know? Um, And then like it's, and it gradates down. So as people are in higher paying jobs, they get less of that. I see. So it's Uh kind of, it's progressive. Yeah. It's a progressively paid benefit. Uh, The law raised the number of workers receiving paid leave from 25% to 100%. Wow. 100% of workers in the state of Minnesota get paid medical leave. That's awesome. It's so big. It's such a big deal. And this is for family leave too. So for like, for like pregnancies and child, like it's medical and family. Is that right? Uh, no. Oh, okay. It's medical. I don't believe that it's family. That may have been addressed separately. Okay. But that's not in this part that I'm talking about Sorry here. to derail you. No, it's okay. Uh, so... Um, The budget also assists poor families with children by authorizing a child tax credit. Okay. It will provide up to $1,750 per child for low-income families, which basically fills the gap left when the federal government, uh, thanks to Joe Manchin, failed to renew the pandemic-era federal child tax credit. Right. Remember during the pandemic when a lot of things... Child poverty was cut in half. Oh, yeah, totally. With that child tax credit that they put into place during COVID. Yeah. And then fucking Joe Manchin, who is ostensibly a Democrat, tanked it, like made it so it couldn't be renewed. Um, So that was bad, but Minnesota basically just replaced that. That's amazing. How great. Uh, There are healthcare wins, other healthcare wins. The state will now have a prescription drug affordability board that will set price caps for drugs. Heck yeah. It also bumped up salaries for home health workers. Oh, that's so great. Oh, yeah, which will both make sure that the people who are doing the job already will be more properly compensated and also will help address the shortage because there's a huge shortage of income nurses because of the crap pay. Mm the Dems, uh, Democrats also expanded protections for pregnant and nursing workers to everyone, not just people working for big companies. Awesome. And they made childcare more affordable. Awesome. Um, so bodily autonomy laws. The legislature codified the protections of Roe v. Wade. Awesome. Boom. That is taken care of. Uh, and the LGBTQ plus community also has a uh, good reason to be stoked. Uh, a set of laws around that ha- have elevated Minnesota as a trans refuge state. Um, telling trans youth and the trans community at large, you belong here. Like mm. that's literally the 
the messaging. You belong here. That's awesome. How wonderful is that? Specifically, state courts are forbidden from complying with child removal requests, arrest, extraditions, or subpoenas related to gender-affirming health care that Great. someone receives in the state. Great. So, like, if you bring someone into Minnesota from another state, like, a, you know, any of the red states nearby that are, like, making these bigoted laws yeah. against trans health care, uh, if if they try to, like, sue you, state courts are forbidden of, from complying. That's they, awesome. They, they can't touch you there. Great. And the state also banned the practice of conversion therapy. That is where, like, religious oh. people try to convince you you're not trans. Right. So, uh, yeah. Um, pro-union, pro-worker laws. Hell yeah. Oh my gosh. Labor, it says here, had a very good session with the Minnesota DFL party. A sweeping bill bans non-compete agreements. It adds workplace safety inspectors and it protects workers in places like nursing homes, Amazon warehouses, meatpacking plants, construction sites, hospitals, and public schools. Amazing. It also allows unionized teachers to negotiate over class sizes and makes hourly school workers eligible for unemployment during summer break. Right on. Isn't that awesome? So it used to be that only salaried employees got like the benefit of being paid uh, over summer break, right? Oh, uh-huh. And that's a typical thing that corporations will do. That was something that I was uh, party to when I worked for Wells Fargo Bank. They're, they had a full-time employee base, but they also had a huge contractor base. Contractors don't get benefits and can be cut at any time. No right. workplace protections. Right. You know, and that was something they would do. But basically, by making it so that hourly employees, like I was as a contractor, get these benefits, they erase that disparity. In the school system. Really, cool. really cool. There are also great new protections for gig economy drivers for Uber and Lyft. The bill provides protection for drivers and raises their pay to a buck 45 a mile uh, up from 61 cents a mile. Whoa. So more than doubling it. That's awesome. Really, really cool. For context, 10 years ago, the minimum was a buck 96 a mile. <gasps> uh, Uber has been dropping that rate steadily. Basically what they did <sighs> is they did this thing that people who study Monopoly understand. Uh, like it's, it's uh, when you basically make your... You, you, you intentionally lose money to gain market share, right? right? And so they were paying drivers a bunch of money. So everyone wanted to be an Uber driver. It paid really well. It put mm -hmm. taxis out of business. And then once all the taxis were out of business, they slashed the rates. Right, right. And that's just this predatory Bastards. pricing monopoly thing that big companies will do without fail. Um, so that is awesome. Uh, there is a massive shot in the arm for education. Um, the DFL raised education spending by 10% in wow, the state. that's a lot. Oh my God, yeah, $2.3 billion extra for that. A new law makes breakfast and lunches free for all public school amazing. students. Oh my gosh, how amazing. Um, also, the new laws also made public college education free for Minnesota families who make under 80K a year. Awesome. Awesome. So good. Totally. So, so good. you can just get a college so diploma. <laughs> uh, Pro-migrant laws. Health insurance, regardless of immigration status. Mm, oh awesome. my gosh. Um, anyone, regardless of their status as documented or undocumented, can obtain a driver's license. Great. So good. Um, Voting rights expansion, a new set of voting rights laws establish automatic voter registration, pre-registration for minors, and easier access to absentee balloting. The laws also prohibit mass voter challenges. They increase early voting to 18 days and expand rights for employees to take off work to vote early. Great. Pro-democracy reforms, people. Love it. Voting Man, rights they is, went to town. They went to town. They also joined the popular uh, vote 
Interstate Compact, the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact. That's that thing. Uh, that's the Alternative to Electoral College. Uh, it's agreement. Um, oh, it's yeah. an agreement upon uh, among signatory states that ensures that the winner of the National Popular Vote actually becomes president. Right. 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 And so Minnesota's ten electoral votes put the number of jurisdictions that have joined the compact to sixteen jurisdictions, which now comprise two hundred and five of the two hundred and seventy electoral votes needed to trigger its provisions. Basically, it's kind of like dormant until enough states yeah. sign on, but yeah. states are signing on all the time. One by one. That's cool. And once it gets to 270, this thing basically, there will be enough, there will be 270 electoral votes, which is the, the number you need to win mm -hmm. presidency worth of votes that like will go to the person who wins the national. The vote. national vote. Yeah, that's awesome. Which means, like, once that happens, it functionally ends the electoral college. It functionally college. will end the electoral college. So whoever wins the popular vote in the presidential race just wins. Because, like, all of the last Republican presidents going back to uh, George H.W. Bush, every every one of them since H George H.W. Bush has lost the national popular vote and has been elected. I thought there was one. It was a re-elect. It was George W. Bush's oh, second term. Oh, it was term. a re-elect. Okay, so that was the only Republican president who won the popular vote in since, the last... Since, like, the 90s. Yeah, crazy. It's fucking shameful. We should have had Democratic <laughs> presidents going back since the 90s. Yeah. Like, George W. Bush won, like, with a minority of the popular vote. He lost the popular vote. America didn't want him to be president. Mm -hmm. But because we have a an electoral system that was made to protect state, slave states' power, mm -hmm. um, those same slave states get the... Get the people they want. Goodness. Yeah, it's fucked so up. So Minnesota is just like on fire. I love oh, I'm it. I'm not even it's, close to done. Oh, oh. Not even close to done. But let's speed through some of okay, the other great. ones, okay? Let's, uh, yeah. Like, I got so excited about them. But I know. I, I don't want to talk about Minnesota for like the entire time. <laughs> gun safety laws. They awesome. expanded background checks on all gun transfers. They passed red flag laws that allow authorities to ask courts for extreme risk protection orders to seize guns, Woo! posing risks to them or others. Uh, infrastructure, money to improve roads, bridges, electrical electric vehicles, passenger rail line between the two. Twin Cities and Duluth. Hey! Hell yeah! We're putting railroads in. We're doing all the good That's shit. Right. Climate change. A new law provides grants to help people prepare for extreme weather and upgrade old infrastructure. And another one creates energy standards for carbon-free electricity by 2040. Um, and uh, environmental programs were funded over a billion dollars. That's amazing. Heat pumps, reforestation, bunch of other stuff. Cool. Law enforcement. Uh, white supremacists and extremists are now banned from police forces in the state. That's fantastic. Probation is now capped at five years for most crimes. Most no-knock warrants are gone. Awesome. So like Breonna Taylor and people like her wouldn't die anymore, right? Right. Because you can actually like, they have to knock. Mm. Uh, pro phone calls from prison are free. Public mm. defenders, huge raise in pay. Mm. Um, legalized use of recreation pot legalize the possession of drug paraphernalia so that programs like needle exchanges can function mm -hmm. without fear of legal mm -hmm. liability. Um, replacement of all lead pipes in the states, strict regulations against uh, forever chemicals. It gave the AG the power to block big healthcare mergers. June, Juneteenth is an official holiday. They did so much good shit. Um, I'm almost tired of you telling me about all the good stuff that Minnesota legislature I did. People, I wanted to <laughs> lean on this for a minute and here's why. Elections matter. Local elections matter. State elections matter matters so much. All the good stuff that I just read, anywhere that you're living, you can make this happen in your state too. You just have to elect people who will do it. <laughs> That's all you got to do. It's harder in some states than others. Well, yeah. 
But yeah. you know what? Minnesota is a very purple state and they had some gerrymandering issues as we do in other purple states. I'm thinking about places like Michigan. Michigan had a similar banner year last year. They got a whole bunch of great stuff done in the legislature. Once they dealt with their gerrymandering problem. Yes, right. that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, Wisconsin is going to be able to deal this year with their gerrymandering problem now that they have elected another progressive Supreme Court judge right. in their state. Here's like hoping. these things can happen, people. Yeah. So don't give up hope because even if the federal government's a shit show, which, you know, we're working on it. <laughs> Um, you know, you can still get good stuff done in your state. That's so awesome. just wanted to let you know what happens when you elect progressive legislators. Yes, I love it. And go Minnesota. That's so rad. Go Minnesota. All right. Well then, uh, I've already gotten less dumb with all that mm-hmm. good information, but let's uh, let's get even more less dumb. Class, anyone? Anyone? Yeah. More or less. Well said, let's sugar. Let's get even less dumb. That's what I should have said. Okay. Um, okay, I didn't really know what, what segment to put this in, but I want to talk about the orcas because this story has been going around and it's so fascinating to me. Oh, yeah. So maybe you've heard of this. There, There's this report about um, this population of orca in the like the Strait of Gibraltar, like off the coast, the southern coast of Spain and Portugal, mm-hmm. that have been attacking boats. They like, have been going ham. They've been going ham. So these pods of killer whales, they've been doing like serious damage to boats in this region. Um, it's happened all, about a dozen times already <laughs> this year. It's so good. But, it's, but the, there's been an increase in this kind of activity uh, over like the last three years. And mm-hmm. there's there's somebody, there's this, this research group that's actually been studying it um, because they're like, what the heck? And so they want to find out why they're doing this because orca have never posed any threat to humans. Like that's not, it's, it's you know, they are killer whales. Like they, but they don't kill us. But yeah, they, they've, they're not. And we don't kill them really intentionally much. Well. And that's sort of the thing. That's sort of the thing. <laughs> yeah, because their populations have been declining. Um, and that's, it's a big issue around our area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the orca that um, inhabit Puget Sound, you know, and the surrounding areas. It, climate it, change has affected the salmon. The salmon are what they mostly eat. So now they got to go eat elsewhere. Not just the climate change. It's also the damming of the rivers yeah, that's right. that we've done for yep. energy. Yep. Like, but that it, you know, decreases the salmon, po- salmon population. So like lots of intertwining things. Um, but, so these orca have been attacking boats. They're doing like major damage. Like I read about one um, one vessel that like it could not get itself back to shore by itself. It had, had to, to be like towed. had to be towed because like the like the rudder was completely destroyed. They they like, they chew the rudders off. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like they know how to disable a boat. <laughs> I know they're so really smart. They are really smart. But so we, the researchers are trying to figure out why they're doing this, and they don't know. They have two theories. The first theory is that the orcas are just playing around. And like, I was reading about this and like orca, juvenile orcas, similarly to like human juveniles, when they learn how to do something new, they just do it over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Like they just like, oh, I can do this thing now. And yeah. so I do this thing. So it could be that like doing something to a boat was something that a juvenile orcas learned and then, then just like they can't be stopped It's now. like the fad. It's like a fad. It could be, it's like a fad. It's like an orca fad. Essentially an orca fad, yeah. The, the, the second theory is uh, way cooler and it's uh, vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> and the theory, this theory goes that, um, you know, that the, there are a lot of um, fishing, commercial fishing boats in that part of the of the waters there in the Strait of Gibraltar, and so they're they're hunting for like big uh, bluefin tuna, and orca will often be seen around the fishing boats, um, 
you know, they they also eat bluefin tuna. <laughs> That's like their, one of their food sources there. And so they will oftentimes, uh, you know, go to get a fish that's been like, you know, ensnared by the, you know, fishing boats, you know, lures or whatever and get the fishing line all like mm-hmm. tangled up. Or they'll get, get caught the, up in a net. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like they, they, there's, there's been interaction there. So one of the theories is that um, the orca have identified these boats as being a threat to their food source mm-hmm. and that they're just going after them. Yeah. <laughs> which is amazing. They're not just attacking. I mean, that's they're not, they can't, I don't know, Maybe they can discern between a, a commercial boat and like a yacht, but they've been like they've damaged like like really expensive people's like yachts that people own. <laughs> like so it's like there any any boat is fair game for these orca because they're going it. after it. Um, but here's the thing: I was reading the, in reading this article. There are only back in like 2011 they counted the population of orca in that region, mm-hmm. and uh, only 39 were counted. So like, it's not very many orca and it's it's a much lower population than what used to be present there. And that's true here in Puget Sound also. Our, the, the, the population here has really been threatened um, and they are, they're, they're critically endangered mm-hmm. um, uh, species. And so it's a it's a small band of orca that are just going ham. And John I, Wick 5, just, <laughs> Orca's Revenge. Yes, totally. <laughs> I love it. So anyway, I just I just wanted to talk about the orca, and um, I thought it was very interesting. Uh, it's wonderful. Do you have an item for us as well? I believe that I just extensively shared my item for let's get less dumb. Uh huh. Oh, you told me that. You- oh, wait a minute. We didn't do the pause for the bumper for let's get less dumb. Yes, we did because uh, oh. you made fun of me for saying let's get more less dumb. Oh, okay. Oh, I was so confused because I thought that you were referring to my, I thought that my piece was in like, let's get less dumb because- I had said oh, that I, I felt, see. yeah. You were okay. trying to make a segue. I was. Okay, got it. That went smoothly. <laughs> Super good. <laughs> Could you tell we've taken a couple weeks off, people? Wow. Yeah. Okay. What segue, what segment are we even in? Let's get less dumb. Yeah, I've got one. Okay, what is it? Um, <laughs> finally. <laughs> finally. So uh, it's just this fascinating term that I learned. Okay, what is it? It is a term called knowingness. 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 So knowingness is a term coined by the philosopher Jonathan Lear. It is defined by a relationship to knowledge in which we always believe that we already know the answer even before the question is asked. (laughs) It's a lack of intellectual curiosity in which the purpose of knowledge is to reaffirm prior beliefs rather than to be on a journey of discovery and awe. So knowing this is not so great. No, it's really bad. (laughs) So I I learned this in a a piece by Brian Class, and I'm excerpting from this here. Um, So uh, he says, uh, as this other writer puts it, in 21st century culture, knowingness is rampant. You see it in the conspiracy theorist who dismisses contrary evidence as a false flag and in the podcaster for whom late capitalism explains all social woes. Mm -hmm. It's the ideologue who knows the media has a liberal bias or alternatively a corporate one. It's the above it all political centrist confident that the truth is necessarily and always found between the extremes of quote unquote both sides. It's the former U.S. President President Donald Trump, who claimed over and over that everybody knows 
things that were in fact unknown, unproven, or simply untrue, mm. right? Um, and the interesting point here, this provides a challenge to the conventional wisdom that polarization is the root of our democratic ills. Yes, polarization, specifically asymmetric polarization, mm -hmm. uh, is certainly a real dangerous phenomenon, but there are actually many disagreements that aren't about divergent policy goals, but rather about the impenetrability of people's minds. Mm. No matter the volume of ironclad empirical evidence presented, mm -hmm. they dismiss it because they think they already know. Right. Right. And think about this. Like, how many arguments have you seen online? How many discussions have you had with a Trumper who, like, they'll say something and you'll be like, well, no, that's not true. And I know that, and here are the facts that support right. my assertion it's not true. You can literally show them documentation, you can show them, like, studies. Hard. Hard facts. Peer-reviewed articles in scientific journals. You right, know what I mean? Right. And they'll be like, no. Yeah. Because they already know. Right. Isn't that interesting? So uh, knowingness. I just wanted to kind of bring that <laughs> word into, it, like, I, I, it just entered my lexicon recently, and it was so valuable because it describes, it, there was not yet a word for me to describe that state, that, that mm. thing. I mean, also, like, think about, like, mansplaining, you know? Mm. Think about this trait that, like, a lot of people have where they just assume that no matter what the topic is, they're, they're an expert on it. Yeah. Or no matter <laughs> what the question might be, they've got a good opinion on it. I have a better word for those people than um, knowingness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Asshole. <laughs> Asshole. That's good because it's both specific and helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It's really it's good, sweetheart. <laughs> no, it's very it's an interesting, it's an interesting concept. And I and I think it is it's it's not it's a new word for not a new concept because like we've been grappling with this for especially the last handful of years where we see people just like making decisions about their lives, making formulating their views of the world based on stuff that are objective, based on things that are objectively crazy, yeah. you know, like, and, and, and otherwise very intelligent people making, you know, choices about who they're voting for or what, what they believe about a certain situation. That's like, so it's so dissonant with the idea, with, with the fact of their like, otherwise very high intelligence, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. But I think that what the way that I have sort of like, grappled with this and I've, I've seen other people writing about it is that like once once you once we attach ourselves to an idea mm -hmm. once we attach a part of our identity to an idea mm -hmm. and in some cases that might just be like I am a person who knows things yeah I am smart I, yeah or I am smart that like that once you've gotten enough once once that idea is part of who you are it doesn't matter if you're shown a hundred different ways that it's inaccurate, incorrect, wrong, made up, bullshit. It I doesn't matter that, anymore. I had that experience in my own life. Like I was raised to believe that I was smart, mm -hmm. you know? And yeah, I'm smart. But like, it's really dangerous to attach your identity to being, I am a smart person mm -hmm. and I need always to be smart mm -hmm. about everything. Because that's like the next logical conclusion, right? Like smart people have answers. I thought when I was younger that I had an answer for everything, yeah. you know? Yeah. I had to unlearn that. Mm -hmm. Because the thing that happens, at least happened to me in my experience, was that when I subsequently found that something I thought was wrong, that mm. an answer I thought I had, or just I felt pressure to have an answer and just made something up. And mm. if someone who knew more than me called me on it in mm -hmm. real time, I felt shame. Mm. And that's not a good recipe at mm -hmm. all, you know? Well, it's much better just to be curious. Yeah, well, in that shame response you, you describe, 
that's going to drive any person away from from being more curious. Like that's just, it's going to drive you deeper into whatever hole you've dug yourself into. Yes, you know what I mean? 100%. You know, I, my experience growing up was, it's a slight twist on what you were just sharing. Mm. I was brought up in, uh, in, a, in a very conservative religious environment, which taught me that we had the answers. Yes. And so it's kind of like a, a different kind of knowingness, right? But like I was, I was raised to believe that we had, we had the answers. We had certainty about the nature of the world, of life, of the afterlife, of sure. all the questions of morality. We had the answers uh, in that evangelical religious community, you know? And so I was raised with with this this certainty that I knew because I I was you know I was in on it <laughs> um, until those answers in, I, as I grew up became uh, they didn't they they weren't they didn't suit the questions <laughs> anymore <laughs> you know slowly over time it, yeah. it cracked you know and and I had to reevaluate that but there was for me it wasn't so much. Um, a shame response. It was more of a fear response. Mm. If I was shown to be wrong, sure, or if the, the answers I had claimed, you know, because so much of what uh, that that religious subculture uh, is about is trafficking in certainty, knowing that you have certainty in a very uncertain universe, yeah. <laughs> right? And so um, to have that sort of certainty bubble, you know, uh, pinpricked, yeah. Was very scary. Yes. So um, it's it's very interesting. And fear and shame are like big motivators to like stick with the things that don't make you feel the fear and shame, right? You walk the other way. Totally. Yeah. So uh, Brian Class in this article, oh. he goes on to describe uh, an interaction. He gives an example talking with somebody about, uh, you know, the gun debate in our country, you know? Oh. And it was just like a Twitter conversation he describes yeah. where the person was just displaying this behavior, yeah. you know, um, just not listening. <clears throat> and he says, uh, you know, I, I, I suspect that if I sat down for a beer with this guy, there's a lot we'd agree on. More, most importantly, we would agree that it's essential to reduce the number of innocent people who get murdered in America. That's not really polarization in its pure sense. We have the same goal and just disagree about the best path to reach it. That makes our disagreement an empirical one. Mm. And when hoping to resolve empirical debates, knowing this is a fatal condition. Mm -hmm. There are a finite number of ways to achieve any shared goal. Some are better than others. Precisely one solution, by definition, will be the optimal one, though we may never know which policy that is. With the gun debate, there's no doubt the political left and right disagree about what to do. But we don't have to blindly guess that's what evidence is for mm. to help us make better choices and to avoid catastrophe. When evidence becomes meaningless, as it does in the intellectually incurious vortex of knowingness, mm. well, then we're screwed. Mm -hmm. Right? Because think about like when you talk with people, like when you talk from a left-wing perspective with a right-winger about gun stuff, like there's nothing you can say to them. Mm. There's nothing you can say. They can't hear data mm -hmm. and they can't hear facts. Mm -hmm. They just have feelings about it. Uh, this is super interesting. There are two distinct subsets of knowingness in modern society. Okay. Type one, people who think they know, but they don't. <laughs> <laughs> and type two, people who don't want to know. Oh, isn't that interesting, right? Mm. Uh, it says often, unfortunately, they overlap with the person moving from type one to type two when inconvenient facts clash with their incorrect certainty. This touches upon what you were talking about mm. with the the, the uh, dissonance you felt around the religious stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, you start out, you know, thinking you know, yeah, thinking of all the answers, but you actually don't. And when someone confronts you with stuff that like might 
run the risk of disproving or calling into question your worldview, you move to a person who doesn't want to know. Right. You just shut down. You don't right. want to hear it. Right. Right. That can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Type one knowingness can be cured. Type when someone also has type two, it's much more stubborn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says, and I think that's true. Um, makes an interesting point here. Uh, knowingness is why the present day culture wars are so boring. No one is trying to find out anything. Mm. People are just shouting. They're talking points at each other. Right. But no one's trying to learn anything because, like, no one really wants to hear anything, mm-hmm. you know? There is an asymmetry to this. Yes, you know? of course there is. Yeah, both sides are not equal, and I want to be really clear about that. Um, you know, it's so interesting. It says, there is no common agreement about the facts, and yet everyone acts as if all matters of fact are already settled. Oh, man, Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, and it's particularly acute in the United States, which has a long history, as he points out, of anti-intellectualism. You yeah. know, it's a particular problem in our country because there has been, going back to the founding of this country, this idea that, like, that education is for the elite and the, and the common man is the real man, is the real person, you know? Mm. So, you know, it, the, the intellectual traits in this country don't make it, like, any easier. Yeah, so I guess the antidote really is stay curious. Like, that. Yeah. that is... That's the thing that we can nurture in ourselves and encourage in the people around us, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's the best thing that we can be. You know, it's interesting. I I, I mentioned that, like, leaving that, the sort of um, worldview that I had, that I was raised with, you know, stepping out of that was a very scary thing, right? Like, all of the things that sort of chipped away at what I thought was certain in my life. Yeah. You know, it was a very scary time. But I also want to say that, like, uh, after that, after you know, making the choice to leave that behind and embrace this idea that actually, no, I'm not certain (laughs) about how things work here in the universe that I (laughs) live in. Um, I actually found a lot of joy in that. Like there's a lot of joy and wonder. That's where, I mean, that's, that's where wonder exists is in uncertainty about something, you know, that's, that's where there's so much beauty and there's so much, awe in that space, yes. you know? And so I came to like really, you know, once once I got past the the scary parts of leaving behind something that felt safe, that I knew, you know? Yeah. On the other side of that was so much richness and depth and, oh, yeah. you know, there, so, so yeah, let's stay curious. Totally. There's, and, you know, he closes his article here in a very similar tone to what you're saying. Interesting. He says, the point isn't to acquire knowledge to eliminate ignorance. That's impossible. Instead, it's to treat knowledge as the joy of discovery. Yes. This was the kind of revelation that Socrates produced long ago, he mm-hmm. says, as relayed in Plato's Apology. And this is a quote from uh, Plato work uh, apology mm-hmm. talking about the the person the i person and then somebody else mm-hmm. although i do not suppose that either of us knows anything really beautiful and good i am better off than he is for he knows nothing and thinks he knows mm. i neither know nor think i know <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah there's always more to learn that's so cool i love that yeah, me well, too. Thank you for sharing. Um, I have an item today for our suggestion box. I want to speak to you, manager, now, please. All right, what you got? Okay, it's very brief, but it was just like my mind exploded when I discovered this thing. While we were traveling, I don't remember what airport we were in. We had some really stupid layovers on our trip to the <laughs> East Coast, and I'm not going to believe it. But one of the airports that we were in, uh, I went in and I kind of always like him eh, about public bathrooms anyway, but like whatever. But I went to this bathroom in one of these airports and I walked into the stall and I was so pleased 
to discover that, okay, you know how a lot of public bathrooms have a sensor that like automatically flushes when you're done? Yeah. Except for a lot of them don't actually do that accurately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for girls, if you're like sitting down uh, to pee or anyone who sits down to pee. Or poop. Or poop. They happen to boys too. Right. Like sometimes you're sitting there and you're doing your thing and the toilet's like, maybe they're done. And then flushes while you're still sitting on the toilet. I hate that. So then it's like a poop bidet. It's so disgusting. It like like, shoots poop and pee water up your butthole. It's so gross. And I feel like I need to take a shower when I'm done, right? Alternatively, sometimes you sit down, you do your thing and then you get up and it's just like, it's like the sensor's doing nothing. Like it's not doing its job. You're waving your hand in front of it. It's like, what's going on? What's going on? Mm. Because clearly it's confused. I don't know. Anyway, this bathroom that I walked into in this airport, which I can't remember what city it was, the sensor was on top of the toilet. It wasn't facing out where your body is. Mm. It's facing upward. And there was a little sign that handily said, wave your hand over sensor when done. So I got to go to the bathroom in peace, not having to anticipate potentially being wet with my own pee as the toilet flush while I'm still sitting there. I could just relax, do my thing, get up, pull my pants up, and then wave my hand over the sensor, which faced upward off the top so of the toilet. So it's a touchless flusher. You yes. want a touchless flusher. I've never seen one before until that day. And I'm like, my suggestion is that that's what we do for public bathrooms everywhere from now on. I love it. Can there we would, do that? There would be an, uh, so here, here are the pros and cons. Oh. The pros would be no more uh, false positives. No more false positives. <clears throat> no more getting poop and pee water shot up your butt. And, and here's the thing. It doesn't always happen. Nope. But I'm always worried it's going to happen. And so going to the bathroom in a toilet like that is very stressful. Yeah, for sure. See what I mean? So we'd be li- eliminating those things. Yes. On the con side, mm. The entire reason, I imagine, for this auto-sensor flush thing is that people are not good about flushing public toilets and it leaves poop and pee in the toilet. But sometimes they're not good about flushing public toilets because they don't want to touch the dirty handle that a thousand other people have touched with their pee fingers. Right. So if it's touchless, maybe more people would actually do it. Maybe. Suppose we'll see. If my suggestion gets taken up by... Well, we could the do people. a we could do a one toilet study at that airport. <laughs> I think it's a great suggestion. Thank you, airport toilet, for just thank you, airport thank toilet. You. <laughs> <laughs> it was so great. I didn't have to worry about the the flush while I'm sitting there, and I didn't have to touch anything or figure out how to like get my foot up there and flush with my toe. You know, with yeah. your shoe. That's the worst. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, gosh, you know. Uh, you come here for riveting discussion, don't you? Well, that- I, it's funny. The next thing, the next item is Inspiration Station. I don't know how I could possibly feel more inspired <laughs> than after hearing that toilet discussion. Well, you're laughing, so there's yeah. something there. But hey, uh, you know, as, as, as long as we're done uh, with that really good suggestion box, <laughs> why don't we cruise on into the Inspiration Station? Inspiration Station. <laughs> It was a good suggestion. I think it was box. great. Yeah. Stuff the box with that suggestion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I'm under the impression you have something else to inspire us with here. Oh, I do. This is not toilet related. Um, <sighs> Sad. And this is. Inspiration Station should be a purely toilet related segment. <laughs> no. <laughs> like two years from now, people are going to be like, what? why do they always talk about toilets when right. they say Inspiration Station? 
no. Okay, that's just... It doesn't make any sense. Obscene, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Obscure. You're being obscure. You're being obtuse. <laughs> okay, anyway. Inspiration edition. I saw this quote. Um, uh, it was posted by a woman uh, who interviewed me for her podcast a couple months ago. Mm. Um, her podcast is called The We Spot. Mm. Um, and the quote, it, it was just on her Instagram. Um, and I... The quote she posted here is attributed to Charles Darwin, and I should have looked up to see if that was accurate because I know that sometimes internet memes can be wrong. Mm, <laughs> but maybe mm. it is Charles Darwin. It was actually Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> it was Mark Twain. Yeah, it was, it was Malcolm was, X. <laughs> Martin Luther King, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so this says it was Charles Darwin. Um, but I love the quote. So um, it is not the strongest of the species that survive nor the most intelligent. This kind of relates to what we were just talking about with knowing this, right? Yeah. It is not the strongest of the species that survive, nor the most intelligent, but the one most responsive to change. Mm. Stay curious. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what do you got? I don't have anything. Oh, well then let's finish yeah. things up with the gratitude crank up. All right. You want me to go? Yeah, go. I'll go. You go. Okay. So uh, I'm just still grateful for a really nice visit with my family. That's great. Still having good feelings about it. Awesome. It's just, uh, it, was, it was really nice. You know, I, it's funny. I, I realized at the end of the visit, like as we had left and, the, and it was finished and like the bow had been wrapped on top of it and was done, that I was just doing a huge exhale because mm. I was just kind of like, like on tenterhooks the whole time, like, is something going to go wrong? Is something mm. going to go wrong? And like, as we got closer to the end, mm. I imagine it's sort of like how a baseball pitcher feels when they're like three <laughs> outs away from a perfect game. You know what I mean? Like yeah. those last three batters must feel very, very stressful it's and fraught. Very long inning. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, you know, I was feeling that a lot toward the end of the visit. Um, but, you know, having had that successful really nice visit it just it, it it has left a lingering good feeling just about my family oh that's nice that like i frankly hadn't really left with and or maybe carried with me for like the better part of the previous decade oh wow you know hmm. um you know i mean there's always that baseline level of love that, yeah. and that will always be there but like that deeper feeling of like contentment yeah you know mm -hmm. that has had been harder to come by in that relationship mm -hmm. for me you know so it was it's cool i'm grateful for that it's been lingering with me that's great how about you i am feeling really grateful for the time that we have had since we've returned to do nesting around the house like mm. we've just really gotten into some yard work projects and it just feels so good to be doing stuff to take care of the place where we live i just it's it's what I think my spirit has needed to just like dig in and do this. And then like my body's saying like, slow down because it hurts so bad <laughs> from all the yard work we've been doing. Yeah. But it feels great. And I'm really grateful to have the time to do that. And the weather is it. good to do it. And yes, it is. Beautiful. So thank you, everybody who is listening right mm -hmm, now. Mm -hmm. We just appreciate that you gave us a little bit of your time. Very much. Um, we, uh, we do this podcast uh, as part of the larger sort of bucket of things we do uh, in the world. We make this podcast, we make music, um, all of the stuff that we do. Uh, Jamie does a ton of mentoring. Mm. All the stuff that we do 
is made possible by the support of a community of people who have said, yeah, you know what? The stuff that Jamie and Shannon are doing in the world, I believe in it, I value it, and I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and give them a few bucks every month to help them keep doing it. And this is our Misfit Stars community. And they are people who uh, essentially have like a monthly subscription to Jamie and Shannon. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you, uh, if you are a person who, are le- who, who says to yourself uh, in this moment, yeah, you know, the work that these two are doing, uh, means something to me. It's valuable to me, and I am able to contribute to help them keep doing it. Well, then we invite you yes. to go to misfitstars.com/support and pick the amount amount of money that you would like to contribute to this effort. Um, Don't you wish more people invited you to give them money? <laughs> <laughs> What we're doing is said nobody ever. We're inviting them to uh, to be part of the community that keeps all this going. So if, yes. that, if that means something to you, yeah. go to misfitstars.com slash support. And uh, most uh, the average amount that people give is 10 bucks a month, yep. but it starts at five bucks a month. Yep. So if that's comfortable for you, great. If you can do more, great. Also, and there are some you. people who do 100 bucks a month because everyone's financial situation is different. It's you true. know what I mean? So yeah. don't let that $10 thing hold you back. Right. If you're like, no, Shannon and Jamie are for sure worth it. He's 20 bucks. <laughs> wow, thanks, 20 buck friend. Thank you. Yeah. Um, thank you also to all of our existing members. We appreciate you so, so much. We are so deeply grateful for you. And You make uh, the work that we're doing possible. Like this new 80s kids song that's coming out on Friday, it's literally funded by you. You paying for part of our existence in the world, covering our bills, covering some of our bills in that way, mm-hmm. is what gives us the time to make these songs for you. Yeah. You're going to flip out over this what? one. Seriously, here's, here's something. So like, if you hear this and like a couple days from now you hear the new 80s kids song and you're like, God damn, that rules. Think of this conversation. Go to misfitstars.com slash support and help support it. There you go. You know what I mean? Yeah. To, to those of you who are already doing it, thank you so much. Huge help, like Shannon said. And to those of you who aren't, maybe this new song will be your little tipping point for you. Maybe it'll maybe be so. the point at which you're like, you know what? I absolutely do want to be part of the community of people who help these two do this thing because it's valuable to me. Maybe this, maybe that'll be this the- song will be a light bulb moment for you, mm-hmm. and that's also a clue. Interesting to the song coming out on Friday. Interesting. Oh yeah. Okay. We'll see you next week. Okay. Until then, be good to yourselves and be good to each other. Yeah, we love you all. Bye. Bye. Bye.